0: Hi and welcome to the We Are Zion Sermon Podcast. We are a local church based here in Chennai, India. We are so glad you are with us and hope that this will encourage, inspire and instill fresh faith in you. We are doing a short series on prayer as we head into the season of Pentecost. Prayer cannot be the Christian's backup plan but our sole option. In the times that we live, in the spiritual battle around us being so real, Without a vibrant and spirit-filled prayer life, we will not make it out alive. Christine Gershwam shares on how through prayer, we begin to see the unseen in every situation and live with resurrection power. Hi church, it's my joy to share God's word with you today. Uh, As you know, we just completed Resurrection Sunday and what a great day it is. Um I say it is not was because literally every single day we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. We live in that resurrection power and um the benefits are endless and it's exciting that we gotta celebrate that together as a church. And it's very common that, you know, after the high of Easter of Resurrection Sunday, um, that we go into this, you know, slump of complacency. Um, like some people call it like you know a, a post biryani uh, slump you're just kind of resting you're restive Um, i've personally found that post easter after all of the you know the 40 days of observing lent in different ways maybe you did a social media fast or you did a non-veg fast whatever you did um, sometimes it comes to this place where we're just exhausted and we sometimes find that you know things just kind of take take us under you know we just kind of brought down maybe by discouragement or maybe we were expecting things to happen, they don't happen, there's disappointment. And um, what I have been looking at is, you know, we we look at the resurrection of Jesus, but then what happened after that? Why do we, as his followers, all of a sudden fall into a rut? And I was reading up on what happened after Jesus appeared to his disciples. He appeared to his disciples. Um, on different occasions, met with them and then 40 40 days after that he ascended into heaven and then 10 days after that the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. So it was about 50 days until the day of Pentecost and in those days what the disciples did, the disciples along with Mary the mother of Jesus and Jesus' brothers, they got together in that upper room and they spent time praying. And I realized that a reason a lot of us get pulled under um, by the pressure, by disappointment, by discouragement, by maybe even the fatigue of success is because there's a lot of prayerlessness. And so what we decided was that for the next three weeks in the lead up to Pentecost, we are going to be looking at how to step up our prayer life, how to bring the resurrection power of Jesus into our prayer life. Many of us, let's be honest, many of us need to resurrect our prayer lives. The level of our prayer life has not moved in some time and maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to step it up a notch. We were at a hotel some time back and I remember there was this beautiful painting on the wall. It was this uh, mural that was up on the on the wall and um, my daughter and I both love art. So we were sitting and admiring it and we were talking about it and saying, oh, wow, you know, it's so beautiful, this and that. You're going to look at it right now. It's coming up on the screen. And of course, if you are someone who loves art as much as we do, you would have immediately noticed the silhouette of a horse on that painting. Now, my two sons, both completely non-Nazi, more sporty kind of guys, looked at the same artwork that we were looking at and admiring and said, what? We can't see anything in that. What? There's no shape. And so Celeste, our daughter, had to actually get up on the bed and outline the horse for them, for them to see the horse in it. And then she didn't stop there. She gave them more context. She said, look around you. And so all around the hotel room, Were different pieces of art all representing horses. And to top it all, this place was near a race course. And so you open the windows, the bay windows open out onto a race course, and there were tons of horses all around. So obviously, the hotel had a theme. And as I was watching it, this this thought just came to me, you know, looking at how my sons were so confused about looking at that painting, not seeing anything in it until we outlined the horse to them. I just realized that prayer does that sometimes. You know the things happening all around us. Sometimes the highs, sometimes the lows, sometimes the in betweens. We sometimes are just going through life without context, without clarity, and we're so unaware of the things we are trapped in, or caught in, or walking through, or 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 you know pro- being propelled towards. But prayer gives us context, just like. Looking around us, seeing all those other paintings of horses, looking at a race course just outside and seeing, oh, well, that makes sense. Now this painting makes sense. In the same way, prayer gives our lives context and clarity. Why do I say that? When you are going through something, you possibly could be going through something right now or maybe you just came out of something and you don't know why God allowed that in your life. You're wondering, God, what good came out of that? When you start to pray in the spirit, it's beautiful because God will start to connect these dots. He will start to give your situation clarity. He will start to give it a context in line with his word, in line with his voice. And things will start to make sense. And so I believe that today as we step into this season leading up to the day of Pentecost, we are going to look to God and say, Lord, we want to learn to pray in a way that helps us see the unseen. Would you repeat that after me? Lord, I want to pray in a way that I can see the unseen. What does that look like? What does that mean? So we are going to be looking at a very well-known story from the Old Testament. It features one of the most powerful prophets of the past. His name was Elisha. And we're going to be looking at the story from 2 Kings chapter 6. I'm going to read these two narratives to you. And there's a very interesting thread and in all of that and i want you to keep this at the back of your mind we need to start seeing the unseen you and i we need to start seeing the unseen right 2 kings chapter 6 verses 8 to 18 this is what it says once when the king of syria was warring against israel he took counsel with his servants saying at such and such a place shall be my camp but the man of god sent word to the king of israel beware that you do not pass this place For the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God told him. Thus he used to warn him so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And he said, Go and see where he is that I may send and seize him. It was told him, Behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army. And they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went, went out, behold. An army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around elisha what an amazing story i believe that even today even today each of us have this kind of access this kind of protection all the time those of us who call on the name of the lord those of us who say jesus is my lord we um, enter this kind of protection and the beautiful thing is that most often we don't know it we are. We have no sense of it. Uh, we, we don't have the vision for it. But here in this story, Elisha's servant, his eyes are opened to see the kind of protection that has been afforded them. He says, don't worry. Look at who is with us. He says, open his eyes that he may see. And so today as we begin, that is my prayer for you and me. My prayer is that Lord, open our eyes open our eyes so that we will see the things that were previously unseen to us. Now the story doesn't end there. The next chapter, 2 Kings chapter 7, the story continues, it's very interesting. Verses 3-7 to says, Now there were four men who were lepers at the entrance to the gate, and they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say let us enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. If we sit here, we die also. So now come, let us go over to the camp of the Syrians. If they spare our lives, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. So they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. But when they came came to the edge of the camp of the Syrians, behold, there was no one there. For the Lord had made the army of the Syrians hear the sound of chariots and of horses, the sound of a great army. So that they said to one another, behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to come against us. So they fled away in the twilight, abandoned their tents, their horses, their donkeys, leaving the camp as it was and fled for their lives. Now a little context to this. The king of Syria is the enemy of the king of Israel. And this guy had kept coming and laying siege to the nation. Now in the previous bit of the story in chapter 6, Elisha actually shows his servant, even though the Syrian army is camped out here, the God of angel armies is with us. And this, this is his army. This is what his army looks like. And he opens his eyes, sees it. And then what Elisha does is he strikes the whole army with blindness. The Syrian army is struck with blindness. He leads them into the hands of the king of Israel, makes him feed them. He says, you cannot do anything to harm them because you didn't fight them by, you know, sword. We literally ambushed them, give them a good meal, and send them on their way. And that was what was done. Now, a little while later, chapter 7 records that the, this same country, the army of Syria, comes and lays siege to Israel. And the siege is so bad, it's lasted so long. No supplies going in, nothing coming out. There's no sale of, of um, you know, the basic supplies. It's in a very bad shape. People are starving, people are killing their own children and eating them. The situation has become pathetic, to say the least. And it is at that point that four lepers who dwell outside the gate, they were never allowed inside. These guys were waiting outside. And they thought, you know what, what have we got to lose? We can't go inside because of the siege. Let's at least go to the Syrians, we'll get something to eat. When they go there, they discover that the Syrians have run for the hills. And what did they run from? They heard an army didn't see anyone. They assumed that the king of Israel had hired two other kings to rout them. But the beautiful thing is they had heard of an army, they heard the noise, they freaked out and ran. And the rest is history. The Israelites go out, they completely raid their camp, they take all their belongings, valuables and bring it in. Now what am I trying to illustrate? In this story it's very obvious The unseen realm is very real. The unseen realm is as real as the seen realm. It's literally a veil away, it's all around us. You and I, we have spiritual battles being waged literally every moment of every day. I mean you just try to get through a day without having some sort of opposition, some sort of attack, some sort of setback. It's hard. Some days are really good, Thank God for those days. But there are days when you can actually feel oppression. You can feel the opposition. And it, it's true that as children of God, as co-heirs with Christ, we have an advantage. We are not at a disadvantage. So often when we are in the middle of a setback, we're in the middle of a trial or a tribulation, we're like, God, why me? What now? How much more can I take? But the truth is it comes down to this, as co-heirs with Christ, As those who have the resurrection power of Christ within us, we have an advantage and our advantage is prayer. This sets us apart. This gives us ammunition that before we didn't have access to at all. And so today we're going to be looking at how we can open this unsealed realm just with prayer. Maybe you're thinking, I don't know how to have a breakthrough. I've been there. And I don't still have some breakthroughs that I've been waiting for. But I believe that as I've been preparing this, I believe that it is through prayer that we will have a vantage point. We will have a view that we didn't have before, wherein God will open up parts of the unsealed realm and say, this is how you fight this battle. This is what you do in this situation. This is what you will say. This is what you will withhold. He's going to give us instructions from the unseen realm, but we need to start praying for that to happen. So I believe that, you know, prayer is not a monologue. When we were growing up, we grew up in Christian homes. So obviously prayer was something that was taught to us. They said, you know what? We first had a five line prayer that we would pray before we began a meal. And we just learned it by rote. We would say it and we'd start eating. If, if the meal was extra good, we would race through the prayer just to, you know, start eating. As we got older, of course, we learned to articulate our prayers in a way that made sense. It was age appropriate. But it is only now that I'm realizing that prayer is a dialogue. It's not a monologue. It's not me just ranting or screaming to God and saying, you know, this is what I want, God. This is what I need. You know what I need, but I'm still going to tell you. And I'm coming to you. I'm making time for you. But it's a dialogue wherein I'm saying, God, I'm here. You already know what I need. And I need these things. But what do you have to say to me? Is there something that you need from me? Is there something that I need to wait on? Is there something that is hurting you about me? It is such a beautiful relationship builder. Prayer is a conversation. And so as we start to look at what this prayer looks like, it's going to become more obvious that it has to be a dialogue. It cannot be a monologue. In order for us to see the unseen, it needs to be a dialogue. Tiffany Domina says this, Just as electricity is unseen, but by the flip of the switch, lights turn on. So also by the words spoken in prayer, miracles manifest. Your prayer and mine, none of it goes to waste. Even if you've been only monologuing, it's okay. It's completely okay. He still loves that you come to Him in prayer. But today we're going to step it up. Today we're going to say, Lord, I'm going to pray in the Spirit in order that I can see the things that are unseen. I have been battling with so many things. I don't know what they're about. But I want to see more. I want to understand more. And so there are just two things I want to leave with you. How does prayer help us see the unseen? The first thing I believe is that prayer helps us see the unseen God and his riches. Prayer helps us see the unseen God and his riches. His riches are infinity. There is no, I cannot make a list of the things that his riches include. So a lot of times I sat and thought, I want to know what his riches are so that I can lay claim to it. But the beautiful thing is that this this God and the riches that are, you know, that are available in through a relationship with Him are only discovered in relationship with Him. It's, it's so basic. It's when I get to know Him that I discover that when I sit with Him, when I spend time with Him and actually tune off Netflix or my phone and actually sit quietly with Him, that anxiety starts to fade. It's only when I sit with Him that some of the doubts I've been having about my faith start to get clarified. It's beautiful because the riches of His presence cannot even be mined, cannot be fathomed by our limited brains. I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15-23. to This is what it says. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom, that are revealed to us in the knowledge of God. It doesn't just happen on its own. It is when I start to seek God through prayer, when I seek to know Him. There are a lot of songs that have been written where it talks about seeking the face of God over seeking the hand of God. So often we're asking Him, Lord, I need that promotion. Lord, I need healing. Lord, I want this. You know what I need. And all of that is great. You can ask your Heavenly Father for anything. That's completely okay. but How many times have you and I sought God for his face and say, just Lord, I want to experience your beauty. You say that you are righteousness personified. I want to experience that. For me of late, I realized that I have not understood the love of God. In all my years of being a Christian, I have not known what it's like to be rooted and established in God's love. And so I've been asking him for that. I want to experience your love, God. I want to be able to experience it tangibly i don't want it to be theory i want it to be practical it's time that we start moving from asking him for things to saying lord i want to know you i want to have a knowledge of you and the beautiful thing is in the amplified it says this for i always pray to the god of our lord jesus christ the father of glory that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of Him. We will not get to know the intimate secrets and mysteries if I don't have an intimate knowledge of Him. How will I know the depths of His love if I don't know Him as a loving Father? How will I know the the boundless grace that He gives me if I don't know Him as a Savior? How can I speak of His kindness when I have not experienced the kindness firsthand, all of this comes out of relationship. And the beautiful thing about prayer is in order to see the unseen God and to experience the riches of who He is, I need to first start to get to know Him. And that's what prayer does. Many times we think prayer is a way of getting things from God, but if we have to shift that on its head and go to this place of saying, God, I want to know You. And the beautiful thing is when I start to know Him, my prayers start to change because then I realize just how generous God is with me. And then my prayers towards others change because if this God is so generous towards me, He must be generous towards others. I can't afford to be you know, all tight-fisted with someone else. If God is so kind towards me, then surely His plan for this job of mine is to show kindness to someone else. It can't be about me alone. You see how it changes things? So when I start to see this unseen God and I start to see what his heart is like, start to see what his vision is like, start to see what his plans and purposes are like, it shifts everything else. And the beautiful thing is when I start to do that, when I start to experience him, I start to experience the riches that come out of that presence. Prayer does that. What are some of the things that he mentions here are the riches that come out of this? He says he... Paul wants to open their spiritual eyes so that they will know the hope to which they're called, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, the immeasurable greatness of his power. Now, when I go to the next point, I'll tell you why this is so important. It is so important that we know who this God is and what we have access to in him because we have a very real enemy who is as unseen as this unseen God, but as present as involved in our lives as he is and so we need to be very clear okay why am i praying today am i praying just to get stuff out of god just to tap him and say i need this lord struggling here can you help me or am i going to him and say lord i'm really going through a lot of stuff but can i just sit with you i need to know what your idea behind all of this is i need to understand if there's something about you that i'm missing Is there something new about your character that I need to discover in this season? That kind of prayer will change everything. It will open portals that we have had no access to before. The second thing that I believe prayer helps us see is the unseen enemy and all his strategies. First thing was we see a a seen God and all his riches. We look at an unseen enemy and his strategies. He doesn't have riches. He will mask it as riches, but they're just schemes and and uh, you know strategies to pull us down, to give us a semblance of success, but take it all away. Ephesians chapter six verses ten to twelve says this: A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. It's interesting because we so often get too caught up in what the enemy is doing, we forget who our God is. Sometimes we can be so naive that we just keep pursuing the things that we feel led to without realizing the opposition is real. Like I said, we are constantly in this battle. We don't even realize it most often. But a lot of times we look at physical people and think they are the enemy. Most often not. there's another unseen enemy who is operating through them. and we give open doors to these kind of things, through our unforgiveness, through our bitterness, through our and we just have to leave one way open for him to step in. And today, When we look at prayer through the lens of a shift, we look at it in a different perspective. Praying in the Spirit helps us to see the unseen enemy for who he is. He's not going to look like that Oneida TV model. He's not going to look like that cute little guy with a red poker suit with a pointy tail. He's not going to look like that. It's going to look very different because he, the Lord is going to reveal to you through prayer just what his schemes are. He's going to reveal in your life where you have left an open door. He's going to show you the schemes that you have got caught up in without you even knowing it. And He's going to reveal just how you can get out of it, provided you stay persistent in prayer, provided you're praying all kinds of prayers at all times. Like I was saying, why is it so important that we know the enemy and his schemes so that we can operate under the full resurrection power that is afforded to us in Jesus. So often the enemy makes it look like we're completely defeated. We have no ammunition. We have nothing. We cannot resurrect ourselves. There is no hope. The truth is we cannot resurrect ourselves. But with Jesus, He makes all things come to life. He brings the most dead things to life. That is Jesus for you. That is Jesus for you. And that is the God we serve. That is the one who we are co with. So if he has that authority, he has delegated that authority to you and me. I love this quote that I was reading. It's written by Pedro Ocoro. God isn't asking you to fight the devil. He's asking you to simply uphold or sustain the victory won by Jesus at Calvary and enforce his authority over the devil. You're like the traffic warden who raises his hand and the vehicle stops. They don't stop because he can physically bring the vehicles to a halt, but because he is representing and upholding the authority of the state. You and I, because of what Jesus has already done, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. So when I face the enemy, I'm not facing him in my own strength. I have no strength, but I face him in the strength that Jesus has given me. And I say, you know what? You are a defeated foe. I don't have to be afraid of you because death has been conquered death, where is your victory, where is your sting, everything has been conquered. When death was conquered, everything below it has been conquered. And the interesting thing about the devil's tactics, I don't want to emphasize too much on him, I don't want to give him the time of day, but there's one very particularly powerful technique that he uses. And Bob Sorge writes about it and I just want to read that for you, because I feel like it describes most of us Christians on any given bad day. Okay. The nature of the enemy's warfare in your life is to cause you to become discouraged and to cast away your confidence. Not that you would necessarily discard your salvation, but you could give up your hope of God's deliverance. The enemy wants to numb you into a coping kind of Christianity that has given up hope of seeing God's resurrection power. Isn't that the truth? Post-resurrection day, we just you know finished on a high and the next day your ailments may still remain. The next day, your marriage is still in a mess. The next day, you're still probably single. The next day, you're still wishing for that child that you've been waiting for. All your problems remain the next day, and you're saying, God, where is your resurrection power? It doesn't stop there. Monday was that way. Tuesday becomes worse. Wednesday, you're spiraling down. We cannot afford to let Him get in, get a word in edgewise. We cannot give Him room. To come and just, you know, overrule everything that God has done in our lives. It's time that we take back the control. And we say, you know what, I'm going to start praying in the Spirit. I know who my enemy is. Lord, I want to know what his strategy is so that I will beat it. And the beautiful thing is that the Holy Spirit is here to help us. He gives us everything we need for life and godliness, as the word says. Which means I can come to him boldly and say, Lord, I know who the enemy is. I hate him but I want to know what he's up to, just so that I can kick him to the curb and keep moving forward. Maybe for too long you've been held back in depression. You're saying, I cannot, it's so, life is so discouraging, things are not moving. It's okay. It's okay that things are not moving. It's okay that you feel. The beautiful thing is that when you are in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is advancing. It is moving. You may not feel it, but it is still advancing. In you, through you, it's moving. And you need to come to a place of saying, Lord, open up the unseen so that I can see where I feature in all of this. My life seems stagnant, but show me that there's some movement. I love that our God likes a good, you know, just, you know, like a engagement with us. He loves engaging with us. I don't think he's the kind of God that, you know, we thought we knew before where, you know, I can't go and ask him anything. He's like the Wizard of Oz. He's behind that curtain. You cannot approach him. He's a loving father. He gets it when we are doubtful. He gets it when we are broken by life circumstances. He's saying, come to me, talk to me, wrestle with me. I can handle it. There will be some things he won't answer. Maybe because it's way above our pay grade, we will never understand it. There will be things that he will engage with us. He will converse with us. He may not bring complete understanding, but he will give you context. He will give you clarity. One thing that I want to leave with you before I close this sermon and before we get into a time of prayer is that the enemy just needs a foothold. If you picture a huge fort, if you watched Viking movies, you know how um, individual towns you know were walled in by forts and these forts were made with bricks and the bricks were laid one on top of the other. Now, they were laid so beautifully that an enemy cannot just scale the wall and come in. It was perfectly straight. There's no way that the enemy could come in. But, if even one brick had chipped and there was space for a a soldier to put their foot in, the enemy will somehow find his way to scale that wall and get in. And that was just that one sign of weakness, one loophole. That's all it needed. You translate that in the spiritual realm, it's no different. There are certain things in our life which could be a foothold through which the enemy enters our lives. Each of us could have different footholds. I I don't aim to uh, know what your foothold is. That's not the, the aim of this at all. The aim is that when you ask God, Lord, reveal the unseen to me. Show me what I'm dealing with. Why do I feel like I'm in the center of the worst battle of my life? Have I opened a door for something? He will reveal. Because He loves us so much, He doesn't want to see us suffer. He doesn't want to see us struggle. He wants to see us win. He wants to bring victory to our lives. He is going to reveal to you where that foothold is. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11, so that Satan will not outsmart us for we are familiar with his evil schemes. Are you and I familiar with his schemes? Is there a foothold? In this case, Paul was writing about unforgiveness. He said, forgive people, let go. He says, when you forgive, you don't give room for the the enemy to outwit you. And I wonder if maybe for you, unforgiveness has been a foothold. Maybe for you, lust has been a foothold. Maybe for you, anger has been a foothold. Whatever the foothold is, there's no judgment. You can come to the Father and say, Lord, forgive me. Here I am, I'm a sinner, forgive me. And the beautiful thing is, he helps you with next steps. He doesn't just leave you abandoned. He doesn't say, you know, figure it out on your own. He's not like that. He helps you every step of the way. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. So today, as we get into a time of prayer, as I wrap this up, this is what I want to leave with you. If you are in our in-person service, um, you would have known that we prayed with each and every person, asking God to really, you know, intervene in their lives. We prayed for our city, we prayed for the, the communities around us but as we are on this online service this is my desire for you that we will ask god to open our eyes to the unseen realm many of us many of us are in situations which are beyond our comprehension we don't even know why we are going through what we are going through and god is saying come to me i will tell you great and unsearchable things things that you have not even pictured i will reveal things to you that you need to know i will." T- Reveal secrets and insights about me so that you understand my heart for you in this season. Maybe there is a part of God's character that you're going to discover that all of this time you've been so blinded to because you've been so caught up in your own struggle, but He's saying, look at me. Maybe you have been oblivious to what the enemy has been doing, and all along you've been just blindly doing certain things, but there's been a snare around your foot. You've gotten ensnared in something, you don't know it, but you're ready to fall into a huge ditch. Your life would unravel before your very eyes. And God is saying, let me open your eyes. Let me show you what his schemes have been. Would you open yourself up to that? Can we pray? Father, I just invite you here into each of our homes, each of our offices, the spaces where we are at right now. We admit that, Lord, sometimes the the environment around us has felt so charged The kind of struggles we have had, the ill health we have suffered, the emotional struggles we have had have been so big. We didn't have words to articulate it, O Father. Our faith has shaken. Doubts have been many. And we just come to you saying, forgive us, Father. We are so human. We are so human, it scares us. But Lord, today we come to this place of saying, open our eyes. Open my eyes to the unseen realm. Open my eyes to see you for who you are. Who do you want to be for me in this season, Father? Show me what I have access to in your kingdom. Show me the resurrection powers, work in my life. Reveal it to me. Father, if there's something about your character that we don't know about, reveal that to us. Father, if anyone has been caught up in something destructive, if the enemy has got them bound and captured and held down, we speak release over them in the name of Jesus. I pray that the scales on their eyes will fall, their eyes will be open to the depths of what they've been dabbling in, O Father. If anyone has been caught up in something that's seemingly good, but Lord, there's an underlying dark motive that the enemy has had for them, that you would reveal it to them. If anyone has been caught up in a relationship, Lord, which the enemy wants them caught and pulled down through, in the name of Jesus, reveal it to them. Reveal it to them. I pray that those who need to extricate themselves from the fowler's snare will do it today in the name of Jesus. I pray they will have the strength because of the Holy Spirit's empowering to snap out of it and to step into a broad space they will experience release in the name of Jesus. For those who have been so caught up by the enemy, by voices and things that are not of you, Father, in the name of Jesus, that they will turn their eyes on you today. If anyone has been so obsessed with the darkness that they've forgotten what the light looks like, I pray that the light will break through in the name of Jesus. Their brains, their minds will be opened up because of the Spirit of God that will descend upon them. We pray, Jesus, that you will touch people right now. You will set them free. You will set them free. I pray for those who have been praying for a long time without any answers. Today, they would begin to pray in the Spirit and that, Lord, unseen things will become seen and revealed to them. Mysteries will be revealed. Insights will be given. We believe you will do it, O Father. I pray that we would live and pray and breathe with the resurrection power of Christ. All this we ask in your son's mighty name. Amen, amen. God bless you. Even as you get into this week, can I remind you to pray in the spirit, ask God, open my eyes to see the unseen, Lord. Open my eyes, I wanna see more. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. To hear more messages like this, Make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you like what you are hearing, consider rating us, subscribing, and even sharing it with friends. That would really help us. For more content from We Are Zion and to connect with us, go to wearezion.in. Remember, whoever finds Jesus, finds life.